America, my name is I'm Yosef Frimpong, and I come to you live, usually every Friday, but I'm going to come to you on Tuesday because I uh, just got back from D.C. I was doing uh, Crystal and Saga, Crystal Ball and Saga and Daddy Show, Breaking Points, um, and talking about infrastructure and how we confuse infrastructure. And I wanted to talk not about infrastructure because you'll see the interview I did for them uh, this when it airs this weekend, but I want to talk about essential workers because it's a similar point but slightly different. And I find essential workers in the discourse around essential workers hilarious because essential for what, right? Like so. Well, while people are coming in, I'll tell a quick story, then I'll give you some truth. Right? So the quick story is me coming back from uh, flying uh, back from Reagan Airport. It's just an in and out. I flew up one day, came back the next. And if you've ever flown out of Reagan Airport in Southwest, it is a trip and a half. It's like walking into a Terry Gilliam movie. So I, I get out of the train with my bag and my backpack, and I look to get my boarding pass uh, at, for a Southwest terminal. Now, I see American, I see Delta, I see all of these uh, terminals, uh, uh, you know, where you, you get your boarding pass, and I can't find Southwest, and I look around. And so I go upstairs and I see some more um, uh, uh, booths where I could get boarding passes for other airlines. And I'm like, where's Southwest? So I ask the TSA guy, and TSA, I'm like, where's the Southwest terminal? He looks at me, I swear, he looks at me as if, like, I was just in a situation, a hostage situation, and not all the hostages survived. He, just, he was just, <laughs> they didn't make it. He just looked at me like, ooh, it's tough to be you. And uh, he just said, it's down that hall. So I was like, okay. So I pass Delta, and I pass, I go down, back downstairs, I pass uh, Terminal A down the hall. I, I pass Delta, I pass um, United Airlines. I haven't been through security or anything. I'm still looking for the Southwest uh, place to get my boarding pass. And I'm carrying my bag and my backpack, and then I go down a hall, and then I go down another hall. Now, this is Reagan Airport, and nobody's around me. I go down a third hall, and nobody's around me. And mind you, I haven't been through security yet. I'm just going through a hall. The halls look a little bit more dystopian as I go through, and it, like I said, it's just me. And then I, 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 go, I go down another hall, and, I'm like, and I wonder if I'm lost. Am I going to end up, am I still in Baltimore? Like, am I going to end up in Baltimore? if I keep going down these halls. And so I just kind of keep walking. I've gone, you know, I run distances. I, I, I must have walked a mile um, with my bag. And having seen no one, I assume I'm just lost. And then I see a little sign down the, the door of the next hall. This is the Southwest Terminal at Reagan Airport. Me walking in, coming from the train, which apparently is on the other side of the airport. And uh, I'm just kind of hoofing it. And it, it might be more than a mile. And it's like it's in, 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 in like 1970s burnt New York settings. <laughs> like, um, and I'm just kind of walking. And then all of a sudden I turn the corner. It's like I walk into a club. Techno music playing. There are people milling about. Apparently there's another entrance to just Southwest. So there's like Reagan Airport. And then there's Southwest, which is pretty much its like own little, little airport. And uh, people who get Ubers and shuttles, apparently, you know, they can get dropped off at Southwest um, because it's its own thing. It's almost as if Southwest went all in on Dulles Airport, which is outside of the city, and then found out that Reagan was being built, and someone said, 
you know, Southwest said, like, how much can I get for this change? <laughs> and they're like, we'll, we'll, we'll build you a portable outside. So it's like the Southwest terminal in Reagan Airport is its own little, like, island. And so then I went, once I finally got over there, I went through security and found my, uh, and, and, and got on my plane. But it is a trip and a half going to the Southwest terminal in Reagan Airport. If you haven't done it, uh, you have no idea what I'm talking about. We're hopefully we're amused by the story because it was funny. And if you have done it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it is like, ridiculous. Now, let's go on to essential workers. Essential workers are, um, it's not obvious who essential workers are, right? It's not obvious who essential workers are. Because if you're running a symphony um, on one hand, and you're running a uh, baseball team on the other, who's an essential worker? Well, it depends on the organization you're running, right? And that's the same thing with essential national organizations. If you're running an authoritarian regime, then your essential worker is going to be different. I mean, the internal police and the CSA and the Stasi or whatever are going to be, uh, not the CSA, the, uh, the uh, internal police and the domestic spies and all of those, those are going to be considered essential workers for your authoritarian regimes, right? Because that's what your authoritarian regime aims to do, <laughs> like run itself in a way that like secures power for the people on top. Right? If you have a democratic regime, a regime what con what's considered an essential worker is going to be different. And right now, I'm looking for a clip. I have a fantastic clip uh, that shows how different this could be. Let me track it down. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a clip of, you can go to my page and find it. Um, it's a clip of one of the Athens Commission counselors, like saying, like, look, I, I had a, uh, um, I had a constituent come and talk to me and say, this is right before the lockdown as they're deciding to shut down the city. I had a constituent come and talk to me and say that, uh, you know, they're worried about um, their cooks and uh, house cleaners, right, as essential workers. And we need to make sure that those stay open as essential workers, right? So he wanted to clarify before he shut down the entire city that people still get, that white people still get their cooks and their house cleaners. And literally, he said the word cooks. Um, uh, and 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 the city council, the city manager said, yes, yes, yes. We'll we'll you'll you'll still the cooks will still work. Mind you, there was no public um, fund for like hazard pay for domestic helpers during the pandemic. But uh, it was very important that uh, for this councilman that 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 cooks were considered essential workers. And uh, remember, this is in Athens, Georgia. So when they're talking about cooks and domestic workers, when white people are talking about cooks and domestic workers, they're pretty much saying like, all right, so with this lockdown, we still get to keep our Negroes, right? That was, that's pretty much a subtext uh, of that conversation. And uh, the answer was, yes, you get, still get to keep those Negro, your, your Negroes, which um, as essential workers, 
is actually has a uh, has a precedent in the United States. This is something I talked about in the last two shows, but it's still you know very important to put to work. Um, this is in 1918 Greenville, South Carolina, where Negro women were being put to work because their husbands were being were off in World War II fighting, and there'd be a pension, so the pension would be sent home, and then the wives would think, you know, I don't have to work for Miss Ann doing her windows and, and floors for pennies. Instead, I could just stay home and, and raise my own kids, right? So um, a lot of black domestic women were, worker women were like working in their own house, and the city passed an ordinance saying that, like, no, this well, this is this is a problem for the freedom. This is a problem for the freedom of the, the white women who expect you to do their home. And uh, the black women were being forced to work uh, for their bosses. And I, you know, I find this an interesting gender story. And I talked about this a little bit on breaking points about how, as women, black women were forced to work out of home. And at the same time, as women, white women were forced to stay in home. So like this idea of universal womanhood might not be a thing. Uh, it's only a thing in, in, in feminist mind, <laughs> in feminist minds, um, because it works for their interests. And, and, uh, and uh, I, I just think that that's, that's a funny story. But what counts as an essential worker isn't something that can happen in the abstract. What counts as an essential worker um, you have to ask essential for what and for what aims. In the United States, for example, a, a, uh, a society, uh, a polity that premises on self-government, an essential worker is going to be like a political campaign worker. Like, I thought essential communications were political communications that allowed us to continue to self-govern while we were quarantined. So I would have thought that we would have been busting our hump, making sure everybody had communications infrastructure for, as a political mandate so that they can continue their essential work as citizens. Apparently, that wasn't the case. Um, we still think in terms of roads and schools, which is roads and airports, which is fine, but Abu Dhabi also considers roads and airports essential work, and they're, a, they're a, an oligarchy, right? Like the, the UAE is an oligarchy, Arab Emirates. Um, uh, it's, it's so um, we actually need, there is no abstract essential work that's abstract from our political, social, and family freedoms, right? So the idea that you can talk about essential workers as a purely, like, I don't know, biological designation because we're humans is, is, is not actually politically responsible because um, there's the work that needs to be done for us to sustain our freedom, and that's essential for us as a nation, right? to be the kind of nation we are. So essential workers, what constitutes an essential worker is going to be, is going to change from institution to institution. When those institutions are differentiated nations, it's going to be different in, from nation to nation. So you can't talk about what's an essential worker and what's not an essential worker in the abstract away from your national character, right? And if you don't actually work out systematically what our national character is and what freedom demands in its variegated forms, the role of essential worker just becomes a grab bag for whatever you know the most powerful person in the room happens to like at that time. And so if it's not going to be about power, if it's actually going to be about reasoned argument and judgment, you need to work out prior, you need to work out what kind of nation you are, what freedom demands in your nation, and then from that, 
um, derive what constitutes essential work. So I hope that was enlightening. I talk about, like I said, I talk about, and on this Friday, if you watch Breaking Points, which you should, and you should all become members there, and you should all become members here, um, because you know we, I provide a service, and they have me on, so they provide a service, and we provide services for each other. And you should go over to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in five, fifteen, or fifty dollars a month, because you know I'm telling the quality of truth that maybe you didn't learn in school, but you should have. And I'm trying to make it the case that you don't squander your life on some BS. So uh, you're welcome. And that's the that's the skinny on essential workers. You can't abstract them. You can't abstract what is essential from its function um, uh, and in, 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 in the national character of, of, of what it's, of, of the, the functioning national character, the functioning character of whatever institution it's a part of, right? So an essential worker for, like I said, a, um, uh, a symphony orchestra is going to be different from a, an essential worker for, uh, for a baseball team. And to understand who's going to be an essential worker and what work needs to be done, you need to understand baseball and you need to understand like, you know, the realization of classical music. So you can't talk about essential workers in the United States without actually a worked out understanding of what freedom looks like in the United States. Right? And if you try to do it on the abstract, if you just try to reduce it to biological designations, you're, you're actually um, enlightening the difference between us and like an authoritarian regime. or or you're actually saying, you're saying Patrick Henry, give me liberty or give me death. Well, no, actually, the only reason nations exist is because is to s preserve life, not liberty. Like you're you're, you're just laughing at the pro the promise and the premises of self-government um, if you don't think about self-government when you consider essential work for the nation. Right. So um, thank you for your time. I will see you on Friday when I talk about something different. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a few words to say about this young hammer thrower who is in the news for being the wrong kind of American. <laughs> um, she's not performing. She's performing hammer throwing in the right way. She's not performing American in the right way. And uh, that's, that's causing her all sorts of static from some white conservatives. Uh, it's not enough to be born here to win your event. You gotta be born here, uh, place in your event, and you know, perform the right way. And that's there's kind of a deep there's a deep uh issue going on there. All right. Take care.